Welcome to The Cloaked. We are a collective of inquiring minds seeking answers to mysteries both past and present. Join us on our journey to discover that which remains hidden. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cloak. I am your host, Guaidao. Hey, it's Pandora. And today we have a very special episode, I guess. And this episode has a, a lot of things. I mean, it really does. It has a lot of the... I mean, it has... It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera, right. It has, <laughs> is what I think. It has, it has fucking letters from who knows. Um, it has an anonymous writer. It has a tree involved. It has a truck. Um, <laughs> there's a bus driver involved somewhere. Um, there's harassing have, signs. There's harassing. There's murder. There's a sheriff. There's a superintendent. I mean, it's a really soap opera box. But I mean, some of you guys have may have heard of this this topic, uh, you know, of uh, this story, and it's that of the Circleville letters. Now, Circleville, obviously, in Circleville, Ohio, where else, right? And the residents have received letters for fucking months and years, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of their personal information. And this is wild because it ranged from a lot of people. If you think about it, it's targeting a lot of people. It's kind of a small area, right? But then it's like, it started like in 1976. And as far as I know, I think the last stuff that came through was maybe like 1994. That's crazy. That's a very, so a very wide long time, span but... of time. Yeah. For someone to be writing these fucking letters to people, very depicting a very personal information. Now, one of these letters actually hit someone by the name of Mary Galepsi. Now, she was a bus driver who in the letter was accused of an affair within a superintendent of the school district. Now, the letter also talks about her having kids her children mm-hmm. kind of like come forward about this affair right because i know where you live i know you have kids I've obviously watching you. her right yeah it's kind of fucking weird um and she then receives a second letter and then this continued and she kept the letters from her husband ron and never told ron about these letters that she was being accused of having an affair now then ron receives the letter mm-hmm. saying hey your wife is having an affair with the superintendent Put her on blast, so to speak, and put a stop to it. Put a stop to it. Yeah. Or, or I'm gonna public publicize the whole, you know, whole well, that, ordeal. Well, that comes later, but at, I think the first one that he gets, it's basically saying that his life is in danger. Like for him to stop his, her right. and her affair, or and he, he is in danger himself. Or, or also his wife is also in danger. Yeah. Yeah. So then he gets another letter after two weeks. Threatening to go public, yeah. right? And this this included TV and like I broadcasting, it, broadcasting it. it. But I thought it was funny that they included CB radio, <laughs> which is radio for truckers. Yeah, the CB, right? So it's like what? And so I thought it was hilarious. Um, billboards, it, billboards, like blasting this, blasting the affair. shit out of these people, right? And Mary and Rod told. Three people about these letters that mm-hmm. they were getting, that they were personal letters with personal, supposedly, information. Yeah. They told three people. Now, that included Ron's sister, Ron's sister's husband, Paul, and Paul's sister. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, the husband tells his sister and her husband, so his right. brother-in-law, uh-huh. and then the brother-in-law's sister. Right. They know about these letters. 
And at this point in time, supposedly, like, the whole affair thing is it's not happening. It's a non-existent affair. It's not real. It's not true. So she's getting true. these accus- right. accusatory letters. These right? false and- accusations, right? And, you know, they're like, well, what the fuck, right? And so yeah. they, they they start up doing a plan. They have suspects. They believe they think they know who wrote these letters. Right. Right? And so these letters were put out um, by Paul to rewrite a letter to the suspects or the people they thought were the suspects that they knew who they were as the writer, right? Yeah. So they had a list of people and Paul wrote these letters out and this happened and they didn't receive anything after that. It It was a good while before they received a, a new letter you know some time had passed and on august 19th 1977 ron actually gets a call right that yeah. confirmed his suspicion of who was the writer he was pretty sure pretty sure like, right supposedly that. this is how this scene went down right mm-hmm. he gets a call he knows who it was the person who called them says that they were outside looking at his truck or some shit like that. That they're watching him. They were yeah. watching him, right. His truck. Ron then gets his handgun and proceeds to go to his truck. Minutes later, Ron is found in his truck, mm-hmm. dead, crashed into a tree. Yeah. He crashed into a tree. Now, when they looked at the scene, they f- noticed that at least one shot was fired from Ron's gun. Yeah. Although they never did find the bullet. Right. They never found the bullet. But here's the thing. Initially, initially, the sheriff believed that it was foul play. Right. Because it was, it, it looked suspicious. Right. Yeah. Well, and then in light of everything that's going on, it's like, okay. What are the odds that you have an accident right in the middle right. of like going to confront somebody that's been harassing, harassing your family for about a year now? Right. So what's weird about this is that, again, like I said, the sheriff believed there was foul play. Now, here's the thing of why I say it's weird. The sheriff then later retracts his statement and says that it was an accident. Mm -hmm. Now, they supposedly drew out blood and said that his alcohol levels were over the limit. Twice the legal limit. Twice the legal limit. Right. But he was supposedly not drunk. Right. When he left. And he wasn't a heavy drinker. So how did he get to be... You know, one, drinking. Right. And two, drinking so much that it was twice the legal limit. Right. But supposedly they they never... Really, I didn't see the clarification on this, but supposedly they had a suspect initially, right? Right. But they get ruled out. And supposedly somebody takes a polygraph and passes it. Mm-hmm. So it's ruled out completely. And then it's like, well, he must have just had a very drunken car wreck. And so, you know, that's that. That's the end of that. Yes. Which is... Like, okay, so... And they did mention that they had a person that they suspected initially as who was writing the letters, which was right. uh, another bus driver that Mary 
Gillespie worked with. Yes. That supposedly he like came on to her or whatever, was interested in her, and she rejected him. Mm-hmm. And that he was so mad about it that they were like, well, maybe it's him. Right. You know, trying to like, I don't know, instigate like re- or break up a marriage right. or something like that. Like some kind of revenge of some weird sort. Yeah. Um, and so that was possibly the person who took the polygraph. Maybe that's the maybe. suspect. Yeah, that they said wasn't the we, person. We don't know for sure. It's all speculation, of course. Uh, and, and and without knowing the information of who they interviewed and who they brought in in question uh, for all these others, because again, it wasn't just her that was getting these letters. No, it was various residents. The thing is, here's the thing, and, and and of course, we don't know who else got letters and what they said. Maybe in these not letters. everybody came forward. Yeah, yeah, nobody really came forward because at the end of the day, I don't think things blew up as much as they did as Mary's letters. Yeah, as well, they did blow up did. a little bit for some other people, but it was because there was kind of like somebody really had dirt on these people, like, right? Things that you know you really would want to like. Very, yeah. yeah. No, you didn't want you didn't want people. Very embarrassing stuff. Um, pretty sure, you know. Um, I don't know what kind of weird, embarrassing stuff or what weird dark secrets they had on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get that to to the end of our theories, of course. And so, you know, okay. And so then they covered it up, supposedly, according to friends, right? Of of Ron. They thought that it was a weird cover-up. Well, Paul himself, which was the uh, brother-in-law, was one of the people to say he thought uh, the sheriff, his name was Radcliffe, Sheriff Radcliffe, was Radcliffe. covering it up. I know. Like no Daniel relation Radcliffe. to Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but they thought maybe he had, you know, covered it up because he said Paul, the brother-in-law, was right. the one who said, no, the sheriff originally did think it was foul play. And right. And then... All of a sudden, it's like, you know, well, he was just drunk and that's that. Yeah. And so, so Ron is ruled as an accident. Yeah. It's a, as a drunken accident. And which then. <laughs> what does Mary do? Mary comes out <laughs> with the superintendent. Yes. And, hey, we have now a relationship. Yeah. Which apparently doesn't start until after all this and after, all the letters have been sent. After Ron's death. Which is like, okay, that's really suspicious. They're like, right. even if she didn't have an affair with him, now you have one. Like, who now, does Now, what, like, what are the odds of you having now this relationship with the person you were now then being accused of having a relationship with? So maybe like, like okay, if we were to give them the benefit of the doubt, like right. maybe they didn't actually have an affair. Right. But they had some weird chemistry or like emotional affair going on that somebody right. witnessed right yeah. and was like jumping to conclusions on maybe maybe and, and but, but like there was maybe there's always something we don't, there. we don't know if the superintendent was single divorce yeah uh widower you know we don't know any of that so i mean it, it kind of leaves us out of knowing what's the what's his, side? What's his yeah. side of the story now in february right 1983 1983 now. um Mary starts seeing these threatening signs and her bus route. Yeah. You They're know. messed up. They were talking about her daughter. So what did they say? I really, I really didn't go into looking at what these signs said. What, so, What's going on with that? Uh, Masi, 
was the superintendent, right? That they had originally linked her to on these letters. Right. That who she's now seeing or whatever. Yeah. So large signs started appearing around the town along her bus route so she could see them, right? Mm-hmm. Saying that Masi and their 12-year-old daughter, the Gillespie's 12-year-old daughter, right. were involved in a sexual relationship. Ooh. So it was getting real personal. And so... And this, you know, this had even started happening uh, prior to uh, Ron having his, you know, accident, accident slash foul play right. incident. We yeah. don't know. Um, so, I mean, he had already had to get up early to go around town removing signs because he didn't want his daughter to see them on her way to school. Right. So it was getting real personal, real ugly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was... Those kinds of signs. And I guess some of them were just maybe straight up harassing Mary. I don't know. Like, I'm calling sure the her, content changed. But calling they were, her names probably. They this were and ugly that. signs. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but here's the thing. Now, in one of these signs, one of them was booby trapped. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Mary, obviously, as Pandora said, she had fucking enough of this shit. Right? She yeah. was going to take that shit down. So she started going around taking this shit down. All these fucking signs up and down her fucking route. And one of them was booby trapped. And it had a fucking gun on it. Yeah, it was really like... A gun. They use like On twine strings so that whenever you pulled the sign, it would pull the trigger. You would pull the trigger, wow. and luckily she didn't pull it right away if she saw it. Yeah. But that's crazy, right? Yes, very insane and very fucked up. And I think that she, it was described as very amateur the way it was done. I think yeah. that was like, yeah, like. Eh. Oh, but there's more <laughs> to this booby trap. What else? So, they take the, the pistol, right? Right. And it has a serial number, obviously. So, of course, they try to tra- trace that. Yes. The serial number had been rubbed off, but not real great. So, they're able to trace it. And lo and behold, it belongs to Paul, who was Ron's brother-in-law. What? And so, of course, he's, you know, questioned. He claims that the gun was stolen from him. So now it's like, okay. But did you report it? Like, that's odd, right? Like, what right. are the odds that it's stolen from him? And, I mean, it's it, your gun. it makes you think, like, okay, it's him or someone's framing him. Right. But which but is here, it? Here's the thing. If your fucking gun, your gun gets stolen, you report it. I mean, maybe he didn't know. Nah, you fucking report it. You I should mean, know that he, you, sh- you should, if you're a gun owner, you should, that's the fucking first thing you do. It's if your gun get, it goes missing, you report it. Every fucking gun owner knows this. And if you don't, I don't know what kind of gun owner you are. I mean, you should know better is to report it. Now, if you don't report it, it's just going to look even more suspicious because if it gets used in a fucking murder or something, yeah, you're it goes back to it. you. Yes, you're exactly liable for it. And so at this point, he had already separated from... Ron's sister, mm. who okay. was named Karen. Karen. She was a Karen. God damn it. Um, <laughs> so he was no longer the brother-in-law. Obviously, Ron had just, you know, he had passed away already. Right. And now he's separated from the sister. But the sister, Karen, was living in this, like, back house on Mary's property. 
Oh, okay. After even after the split, so no blood relation, right? But she's living there. Right. So now Mary's widowed, mm-hmm. living in her house. Karen's living in the back house. Okay. And then kinda... Ron's dead, right? Well, yeah. And Paul is alive, but he had divorced Karen already mm-hmm. because of her supposedly cheating. Mm-hmm. So now he won, I think, in this divorce, he actually kind of came out winning and he kept the kids and everything. So, so Karen, now bear that, Karen, you know, all that in mind. So Karen lost her kids. And Sounded and, and, like, and, yeah. Uh, to be the main custodian, so right. to speak, right? Yeah. She didn't completely lose her kids. She just main lost the main custodian. Um, he gained full custody, full custody of their right, children. Right, right. She moved out of the house and into a trailer in Mary Gillespie's backyard. Interesting. So. That's odd. That's a lot of like little. You see like motives like, here and there right, for people. Yes. But you're not sure because anybody could have some kind of motive. Somebody has something to gain somewhere. So. You know, once that happens, right? Like that's now we have the gun that's right. belonging to Paul. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I think Paul starts to become the main suspect, right? Right. Because it's like, well, shoot, like your gun, right? Like your gun. Which is weird because they had Paul write these letters to all the people they thought were suspects of them writing letters Why to them. Why get Paul to do it? Right. It's almost like a setup. It was almost it like somebody. Like a long game. It like, seems like somebody saw an opportunity for a setup, or it was a long, yeah, con kind of a thing, like you just said, um, of it, which is weird because uh, we'll go into the theories. I have so many theories on this shit, um, but then what happens to fucking Paul? So, you know, Paul sticks to his claim the whole time that he is innocent. The gun was stolen. Mm-hmm. The sheriff, still Sheriff Radcliffe. Uh, no relation to Daniel Radcliffe. February 25th, 1983. He asked him to meet up and to do a handwriting test. Interesting. So he runs a couple of things. So he has him copy the handwriting from the letters. He has him uh, you know, do the handwriting test. And then he has like the letters read verbally. So then he's telling him to write down what's being said. Right. I'm guessing it kind of matches because... They brought in a hand writing expert right yeah and then after this paul takes the sheriff radcliffe to his garage and shows him where he kept his gun and i guess that's where he's like oh this is where it was stolen from and right after that they take him to the courthouse and he gets arrested and charged with attempted murder which is weird right it's like yeah. this is where i kept my gun this is where it sounds I like hit he was it. kind of trusting and then all of a sudden it was like it just turned on him uh, yes um, which is weird but like it, it, i feel like he was coached into doing that you know yeah. what i'm writing here right i'm gonna tell you how to write the letters you know what it sounds very coached because you if somebody let's say let's here's the thing here's the thing watch this watch this if somebody tells you here i'm gonna read you this letter and i want you to write it right and what if they say a word and you don't know that word. You don't know how to write that word. And you mm-hmm. misspell it. Mm-hmm. And then they, oh, you misspelled it. But the person who originally wrote that letter didn't misspell that word. So then they tell you to correct it. But in court, that would have been proof that he didn't write those letters because he misspelled something. Right. Or he didn't know how to this, how, how to write certain things. 
like if somebody use a hyphen for something and normally you don't use a hyphen for this or if you don't write you know um, punctuations in your letters and the person who wrote the original letters wrote punctuation letters that means the person who wrote the letters was very meticulous and very detailed about how things should be done and how things should be written versus Paul who probably wouldn't have known any of that or wouldn't have done any of that if he was the original writer so little details like that matter when you have someone asked to write something now let this be a lesson for those listening if you are ever caught in something and they want you to write something make sure you write it in your own words and make sure they don't tell you to rewrite something because if Mm -hmm. they do that can be used against you now i'm not a lawyer but i'm known not to be fucked with in that kind of manner (laughs) so make sure you wise up and know that kind of shit anyways continue So anyways, I don't know. These are actual pictures of the letters. But from what I have seen online, um, they looked really odd. Like, I feel like it's when somebody is intentionally trying to have like a fake handwriting, right? Or like disguise it. Because mm-hmm. one, over the years, the letters went from handwritten to print, you know, letters. And so it's kind of hard to say, like, was it even the same person? Mm-hmm. But in the handwritten ones, they have a very like odd handwriting very like boxy almost like when you write in all caps but everything's oh, very like boxy looking it's, that is a style it is yeah but it almost looks like forced right like it doesn't yes. to me it doesn't seem natural so ah. i feel like you know either somebody has a very odd handwriting or they're disguising it right that where could be it's yeah. just like that nobody writes like that mm-hmm. um there's no soft edges to the letters, right? Like, it's all very boxy. Like, even the Y, it looks like the like the field goal thing. <laughs> like, right. Like, it looks like that. So, um, I just think it's kind of like a fake handwriting. But then, I guess, you know, it didn't really matter. Uh, when it came to Paul, um, of course, he gets put on trial for this, for the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. And he doesn't ever actually get charged with anything to do with the letters, which hmm. I think is weird because I yeah. feel like that is something you could charge somebody with, right? Like uh, harassment or something like that. Yes, that you think that would be something to throw in there. So the whole thing is focused on the attempted murder part, which is right. the booby trap sign. Booby traps, yes. And although they didn't use the letters to charge him with the letters, they were used as evidence against him. And the handwriting expert went on to say that, like, yeah, they think he's the letter writer. Mary testified, saying that she thought that he was the writer. And his wife, Karen, Mm -hmm. that Karen. Karen. Also, I think she kind of helped plant the same suspicion with uh, Mary. Uh And then it didn't help that Paul's boss also testified that he wasn't at work the day that they found the booby trap. Right. Right. I don't know. But, but, there's always a but. Now, this trial, again, like I said, or better I was talking about, went on October 24th, 1983. And, like you said, they all testified against him. Now, it doesn't go well for Paul. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. No. (laughs) There are several things that weren't really talked about during trial, which was fucked up. Now, Paul never takes the stand, which is unusual. Right. He says he's innocent, but he doesn't go on the stand to defend Right, himself. and he should have. He sh- definitely should have gone on stand because there was certain things that happened that weren't discussed. Um, 
Now, one of the things is that Paul definitely had an alibi. Yeah. For the day, actually. Yeah. He wasn't at work, but he had an alibi. He had a fucking alibi. And that wasn't talked about during this case, which is very odd of, you know, why. Okay, so why is that not being talked about? That Paul was at such and such place and he was seen by two, three people for that day. You know what I mean? And so what what ends up hap- what ultimately what ends up having to Paul? So, like you said, it doesn't turn out well for Paul. Uh, he pretty much is convicted as being the guy who did the the booby trap. Yes. And they give him a 7 to a 24 year sentence. And you would think, okay, well that's that. But this story just keeps getting weirder. So, while he's in there, he starts to receive letters. Fuck. Um, so he's imprisoned in Lima, mm-hmm. the city of Lima. He keeps getting letters. Others keep getting letters postmarked from Columbus. So the people in Circleville were still getting letters. Uh, yeah, people still got letters. Other people, not even like the same people, right? Right. And he's put in solitary confinement and letters keep arriving. Huh. So it's becoming very clear that like okay maybe somebody sending letters for him but it's it's definitely not him personally sending letters because he he's in solitary he confinement he got put in there with nothing to even write with or yeah, on he, so he, those who don't know about prison life um <laughs> when you get put into solitary confinement you don't have any writing tools whatsoever uh when you're put in in certain segregations you're not allowed to have any kind of writing utensil of any sort any kind of material like that because you can turn essentially turn that into a weapon and so a lot of these things are not really something a prisoner can have because of that very same thing because you can turn anything to a weapon now a lot of these guys learn to do that because they have a lot of time in there so they've gained this crazy knowledge of how to convert certain things into a weapon a paper can be turned into a weapon i won't tell you how but i know it can be uh and it makes these things very difficult for him to even write these letters now how is paul even gonna have the ability to have the knowledge to write these things down and then send them off Uh, well not just that but they weren't just like random random things either so Like we said, these letters were originally, they started off with, like, something about someone's personal life, right? right. Like, only, like, you or maybe very few people know. Right. Um, so, the new batch of letters, it some of them included allegations about um, the prosecutor in this other case of a man named Roger Klein. And the letter writer had promised to dig up the grave of a deceased baby and mail the bones to the police if they didn't look into Klein this guy Roger Klein because they said that he allegedly played a role in the murder of a pregnant school teacher. Supposedly, they said this guy Roger Klein impregnated the teacher and then had her killed. So, very crazy, right? And, I mean, stuff that it's like, well, how would Paul in prison know this? this. Write the letter or get somebody to write the letter, but also how would he know these kinds of things? Who know these things? Yeah. Right. So... This sounds like this is something that, I don't know. We'll get into the theory. But Paul Paul was getting letters basically taunting him. 
Yeah. That he was in prison and he, he wasn't was, going to get out. He was going to stay there. Just yeah. Them. Like they, the one I found, it was like, because his last thing was fresh hour, right? Right. Fresh hour. Um, and it was just like fresh hour. Now, when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago when we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all. No one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. And then it's like, ha ha, like all weird. Right. Uh, yeah, tell no kinda... one of this letter. I saw the paper. Great news. The sheriff loved it. Do you believe it now? Do you? Or something like that. So very taunting. But the this one made me think. I was like, is it more people? Because it says when we set them up, they stay set up. Yeah. It sounds like a group. Now, we'll go into the conspiracy yeah. theories. So. You know. Uh, but before we go into that, the last part here is a journalist named Martin Yant uh, investigated the story and found that there was another possible suspect mm-hmm. uh, that could have been the writer. Now, he also discovered that 20 minutes before Mary found the body, uh, I mean the body, the booby trap, another bus driver, and this is what you had mentioned before, had already passed by. Now, this other bus driver saw a suspicious man standing next to a yellow El Camino uh, and and right on the spot where this booby trap was found. Now, Jan found the possible suspect to be the brother. uh, The suspect's brother owned the same type of car of the description. Now, it didn't really match, but Paul and his solid alibi, another thing that we talked about, wasn't never really discussed about that specific time where this was found that he was seen somewhere else. Now, then, Unsolved Mysteries, that uh, program we've talked about before, and it's a great program, I recommend it. Now, Unsolved Mysteries was doing a filming of the story and received a postcard, apparently, about the letter writer. And it says, (laughs) forget Circleville, Ohio. Do not uh, do nothing to hurt the Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, your El Sicos will pay Circle Letter Writer. Huh. Crazy, right? That is wild. That is very wild. I mean, if you look into the library of Unsolved Mysteries, you'll find the story. Um, I recommend it for you to check it out. I'm sure it's not going to be in the, the Netflix thing, uh, but if you look into their old library, you'll definitely find that specific episode of the, uh, the Circleville. Now, the identity of the Circleville writer remains to be a mystery in itself because no one knows who the Circleville writer is. Now, uh, Paul actually passed away in 2012. And he had a blog. Now, he remained to be innocent or self-proclaimed to be innocent. Uh, If you believe in everything he had said um, and everything that wasn't really discussed in the trial, because, again, he did have an alibi that wasn't ever presented. And I I found that weird. Um, And so, you know. I think the whole thing is strange about that not being discussed about his alibi. I thought it was very weird and kind of planned out. Yeah, because I think he he got out eventually. He was paroled. Uh, He missed 
parole initially, but he was eventually paroled. And he has a site now, um, pretty much dedicated to, like, telling his side of the story. And he kind of does say that he doesn't really blame the jury because the jury never got to hear the story. The story, right, right. Like, they just didn't get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to think. I just, I think it's like something that it was maybe one storyline and it kind of became several like right. maybe more people got involved maybe some copycatting got involved yes definitely some copycat um, definitely because you see that there's this thing going on and you're like well i have something i could write about to somebody mm-hmm. and you're like i'll just do it I, in the style of this and get my problem taken care of too right. i know some dirt on somebody and I feel like I need to put it out there. And maybe know? several people took this approach. And next thing you know, you have like the circle of letters, right? Right. Um, you but, have the whole town doing it on each other. Yeah. And so I think that I, you know, I have a really hard time trusting Mary and Karen. Yes, I agree. Because... Well, Mary ends up with the superintendent, so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what are the odds? Like, are we ma- naive or what? You know what I mean? With like, Ron out of the picture. Ron's out of the picture. She has custody of her kids, obviously. Yeah. Uh, she ends up with the superintendent. And Karen ends up back with her kids because Paul is gone, you know? Yeah. And... You know, definitely she gets custody because Paul is in jail for attempted murder. And I mean, the way that, uh, so that journalist that you mentioned, uh, Martin Yant, mm-hmm. I think he, you know, also said that, like, he described Karen as being, and I mean, this is like no pun intended on the whole Karen joke of now, but described Karen as a very, very angry, manipulative woman who was still planting negative stories about Paul in the early 1990s. The guy's already been in jail for, like, some time. Like, and she's throwing shade still So I'm like, someone who she cheated on, and then he divorces her, so, you know, she had some loss there, I'm sure, of, like, her house or whatever. Right. Lost her kids. That's a motive right there, yes. I would think, right? Oh, for somebody. yes, dude, yes. And... She's there living with Mary. Mm-hmm. Surely they talk. Right. They're like, we can both get these dudes out of our way for our yes. own game. Yes. That is exactly one of my theories, that they both started working together. Fucked up that she worked with her to get... I mean, again, this is all entertainment. Right. Know, like This is theorized. one theory, I think. But I think if, if Karen didn't help Mary, Mary obviously saw an opportunity to get rid of Who would know Ron. where Paul keeps the gun? Also that. Who would know that? Who may have still have a way to get in or out of that place? And who did Ron really suspect of being the the writer of these, of these letters? Because I feel like it, that obviously we don't know because he didn't tell anybody because this is the last few minutes of his life. Yeah. And we don't know that information. But it appeared that he believed it was someone probably different from what everybody else thought. And it could very well be that someone else initially first sent those letters to right. Mary and then to Ron. I'm not sure why it started to threaten Ron. Right. But I was like, well, who, was it somebody in the superintendent's life who was like, you're breaking up my marriage or my family? It could have been the superintendent's ex-wife. Could have been a yeah. superintendent. I mean, there's one theory that it was a superintendent's son that did this. 
mm-hmm. um, that was writing the letters. It could have been that maybe he was writing the letters and Mary saw an opportunity and maybe Mary and the superintendent got rid of Ron. We don't know. Again, yeah. speculation. Now, you know, maybe Karen wasn't involved there, but then Mary got involved with Karen to get rid of Ron. I mean, not Ron, of Paul. Yeah. Uh, in order to get custody of the kids. And, you know, her doing so got rid of a problem of her being a suspect, Mary being a suspect in Ron's death. Yeah. Or Karen could have seen the opportunity because, you know, she makes Paul look guilty by using his gun. Mm hmm. And then, you know, of course, Mary's going to be like, oh, shoot, like maybe it is Paul who, who's been doing this all along. So right. she's now siding with Karen and right. it's no balls from there. Yeah. And yeah, definitely uh. seizing up opportunity because at this point, Karen had a boyfriend. Now, Yan doesn't say, but they the boyfriend could have been using the gun to plan it to make this booby trap for yeah. Mary. And Which it all sounded also very amateur, amateurish, too, to where you're like, I don't know, you know, how well thought out it was. Right. Or, or if, was done intentionally like, OK, I'm going to rub off a serial number, but like I'm also going to not take it off completely. So you can right. still find it. Because we don't know if if even if it would have worked. I mean, obviously, you know, they found it. They did something about it. But I mean, the other thing is that the other theory is that these letters were maybe originally written by Mary herself to all the people in Circleville because mm-hmm. she was a bus driver and little kids tend to talk of <laughs> what they hear about their parents. And maybe she overheard gossip and she wrote the letters herself to all these people. Hmm. That's an interesting one. I mean, it is true that kids talk and kids say the truth. You know what I mean? Yes, they say so you learn shit. All the gossip. No, fi- no filter. You know what I mean? True. And let's say a kid says something that has no idea what that means or what's going on of what they said. But Mary being an adult, she knows what the kids could have seen or heard. Yeah. And maybe these kids don't know because they're too young to comprehend what's being said or what's being done. And maybe that's where maybe she originally was the writer and then Circleville uh, letter, you know, this writer spun out and had a life of its own because then, like you said, maybe there was other people jumping on this train and writing their own fucking letters where this expanded from one person writing out gossip to multiple people writing out this shit. And then maybe after Paul went away, maybe whoever, Mary even, or even Karen, could have been writing the letters to Paul, taunting Paul, mm-hmm. and other people in Circleville were writing each other continuously these letters. Yeah, that's kind of like, so I have the theory like, okay, it was Mary and or Karen, right, at some point. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess it could have been Paul, but I like what I don't get is what the heck would have Paul's motive have been. Right. It's so bizarre because... I don't see Paul having a motive. Paul like I, if is, there is one, I don't see it. Paul is not Ron's brother. He's his brother-in-law, right? right? So not so, so close. Yeah. Initially, I was like, well, what if Mary and Paul had something? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like they were trying to... I don't know. I, I just thought it was like, oh, I don't see the motive unless there was like something... Right. 
between those two couples somehow, some weird way. Right. Because we can say maybe Paul was involved somehow, and then he was removed and blamed for it all in an attempt on Mary's life. Because that's also a possibility. Or maybe it was Paul, and he was just not very good at rubbing off serial numbers. (laughs) Just incompetence. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. It's also possible. Yes, there are incompetent people out there. I mean, this is... Like, my other theory is just that there was maybe... People who were being, like, very moralizing in the community who maybe got together. And I thought maybe there's, like, a little collective a group, right. of yeah. people who is trying to take matters into their own hand, their own hands. And then, you know, just decided, like, all these people out here are just sinning, right? Or doing something that they're not supposed right. to. And they yes. started to do this. Yeah. And that was so, another thing I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Of the nature of the other one. So the first one's like Mary's having an affair. Whether or not she was having one, somebody thought she was and was like trying to stop it, right? Right. Okay. And then there was the other one of the the, the other ones that were being written about the prosecutor, who also is the one who put Paul behind bars, mm-hmm. um, saying that he got that school teacher pregnant and then murdered her to protect his career. Um, there was one... A uh, group of parents that they said that they they had a deceased baby that the letter writer threatened to dig up, and although their silence was requested, they eventually spoke on an Ohio TV station and they confirmed that it was true. So wow, I'm almost like it almost sounds like were these people confessing somewhere or sharing info to like the wrong people who were then. You know, right. trying to take matters into their own hands. Um, the other one that was interesting was that uh, that original suspect that they had, that bus driver, mm-hmm. that the one that had hit on Mary and she rejected him. Right. Um, initially, they thought it was him, right? Mm-hmm. So he ended up being a fugitive oh. later down the line because... Yeah. Supposedly, he raped an 11-year-old girl back in 1999. So he becomes a fugitive, and they thought, like, he was... uh, It's hard to find, like, sources on it, but some people thought that he committed suicide while on the run. Oh, wow. Or that he may have been on the run as late as, like, 2005 still. Oh, shit. Um. So, I mean, who knows? But, like, maybe the letters kind of stopped right around that time, too. So, now it's like, well, does it coincide, you know? You see the one? Right, right. But I think at the end of the day, you know, here's the thing with the with the whole theory on Mary and being the bus driver and overhearing the kids gossip. Mm-hmm. Some of those kids are in that route, and the letters probably expanded outward. Now, and that's not to say that the other people took advantage of that. And here's the other thing. Maybe some people saw an opportunity and maybe there was a group of people who saw that opportunity to kind of put shade on those people who were sinning or doing things that they didn't agree with. Yeah. And maybe they, they knew this because maybe there were the trusted people of these individuals, of these individuals, like friends or whatever. Or this could have been also... You know, who do you confess to? A priest? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the priest figured it out. Or, you know, maybe somebody was recording these people confessing. So I figured, like, maybe someone very religious who, one, will have access to this kind of information because of confessing. Or because... They feel like it's such a bad sin that they're like, no, this needs to be stopped right. or yeah. this needs to come to light. Oh, whatever. Yeah. It could have been. I think at the end of the day, it could have it could have been anything like the theories are numerous. The outcomes are numerous. And, you know, the unfortunate part is that I at the end of the day, Ron was the one who. He's the one who died, and Paul lost years of his life in, in mm-hmm. jail. Now, now it's not to say that Paul was innocent. We just don't know because there was a lot of information that wasn't used. At the end of the day, yes, I think there's a very good chance Paul was innocent because his alibi wasn't used. Yeah, you know, Nobody used his alibi, and so we don't know because that wasn't put out. We The, the trial could have gone the other way. And Paul, you know, Paul would have been out. He would have had his kids back. He would have continued on with his life. And Karen would have still been living out in the shed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's crazy. Like, I think that I don't see a clear motive for Paul. Yeah. So, again, not to say that, like, we know he's innocent or not. But he was eventually released, right? He was eventually released. And there was a lot of circumstances that were very iffy about the whole thing. Very fucking iffy at best. The letters continuing, himself receiving letters. And you could say, sure, maybe he did that all along just to maintain his innocence, right? Like, to get somebody else to write letters to make him look like it can't possibly be him. Right. Well, maybe Paul had a secret somebody. And maybe that somebody was fucking writing the letters. Again, we don't know. It's very unfortunate these situations because it becomes and it's and it remains a mystery because nobody comes out and says hey this is what probably happened i was involved to this extent or i was involved to that extent and it will remain like that uh until somebody comes out i mean that's the you know that's the the thing and the nature of these mysteries and again i hope you guys enjoyed this episode again like Rate us on iTunes, tell your friends, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and until we'll catch you on the next episode. Later, guys.